Our scripture reading for today is going to come from 1 Peter chapter 4. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, 1 Peter chapter 4. Today I just have a brief exhortation on an important theme that I think is relevant to every single person's life, Christian or non-Christian. And there's a there's a verse here in our, in our scripture reading that will will get us going with this topic. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm just going to read the whole chapter. It's 19 verses. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these... They think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it. As with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Now, there's one verse in this chapter that I want to draw our attention on. Obviously, I'm not covering all of that. There's so much there, but I wanted to read it. Uh, there's so much richness. And if I had to pick probably one book, 
I don't think I could ever do that. But if I had to pick a favorite book of the Bible, First Peter is one of my favorite books in the Bible. There's just so much here as there is in all of Scripture. And I think sometimes we, we, we're drawn to certain books because of how God has used them in our lives and in, in dealing with our sin and giving us encouragement. First Peter has been very encouraging to me in my walk. But the verse I want to focus our attention on is verse 8. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now listen to these other verses. I'm just going to read four other verses throughout the Bible here. And listen to them and, and key in on the recurring theme that we hear that is introduced in 1 Peter 4.8 this morning. Proverbs 10.12 Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Proverbs 17.9 Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 19.11 Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is, his, it is his glory to overlook an offense. In Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God and Christ forgave you. So the theme of taking offense is a recurring one in the Bible. And this shouldn't surprise us, because the Bible is full of practical wisdom that applies to everyone. And if you look at the great expanse of human experience, you'll notice that there are various vices and shortcomings that have destroyed people, relationships, and even communities over the course of time. And generally, it's the same several sins, the same type of things that continually destroy people and families. And even as we look at, as we talked about, and see the desperation of, of people's lives, that on the surface they might try to keep things together, but underneath their lives are falling apart without Christ. Uh, it's generally a handful of, of sins, and of course they're expressed in, in various ways. But every single one of those vices or sins is addressed within the pages of sacred scripture. The solution to every vice, every destructive sin in human society is found in God's word. And that's why the Baptist Catechism asks the following question. Question 5 says this, May all men make use of the Holy Scriptures? May all men make use of the Holy Scriptures. And the answer is as follows. Answer, all men are not only permitted, but commanded and exhorted to read, hear, and understand the Holy Scriptures. And I think this certainly goes beyond the fact that during the time of the Reformation, all Christians were to have access to the Word of God. I think it goes even deeper that all people are commanded to obey God's Word. All people are commanded to obey God's Word. There is no person who cannot find a solution to their problems in God's word. However, there are many who are unwilling to take the medicine that God prescribes. They're unwilling to take the medicine that God prescribes in his word. Now, one of the most common experiences among mankind, Christian and non-Christian, is that of being easily offended. We take offense. We store up a list of wrongs. We think about how others have wronged us or perhaps not treated us as well as we would have liked, or as well as we think we deserve. Taking offense, then, can destroy a relationship, can do devastating things in a relationship. In fact, the closer the relationship, the more damage bitterness and scorekeeping can have, the more damage being offended at another's wrong can have in that relationship. 
as the relationships grow, we give more, and as, as is our nature, we expect more. If we have a shallow relationship with someone, we may not expect that much out of them. And if they wrong us, it may bother us, but it's not going to, da- it's not going to, to, to hurt us as much as if, as if it is someone that we're very close to. So we have certain assumptions in our minds, right or wrong, that tell us how others ought to treat us. When others fail to meet our expectations or they wrong us, we are offended and we become bitter. Now the Apostle Peter all right, thought this subject of such importance that he says this, again verse 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Listen to what he said, above all things. This is the key, Peter is saying, to Christian community. This is the key to facing the opposition from the world. To have fervent love among yourselves. Have fervent love for one another. Be gracious to one another, tender-hearted, quick to forgive. If you do this, Peter says, you'll be able to overcome a multitude of setbacks and sins within the family of God. So if we look at this text, right, we look at 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter starts out by calling Christians to arm themselves with the same mind of Christ. Verse 1, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. He's calling on Christians to arm themselves to go to battle against the lusts of the flesh. Right, this is a huge charge in the Christian's life. It's a huge battle, and we know this if we are saved, that our battle against sin is intense. Our battle against the sin within us is extreme, and we have to fight against the, the flesh, or the sin that is within us, and he goes on and talks about the opposition we'll face from the world, that those in the world who will think it's strange, verse 4, that we no longer live the way they live. And I've certainly experienced that, and I'm sure um, many others have as well. That we, we, we are viewed in a strange way as aliens almost on this earth, and the scripture says in one sense we are, because we no longer partake in the things that the pagans do. He goes on to verse 7 and says, Be serious and watchful in your prayers. These are all important, important things when it comes to the Christian life. But... Peter realized that the greatest threat to any group, whether it is the church, a marriage, a family, even a team, a business, or a community, will come from within. That's why he says, above all things, above all things, above all these things that he's listed, love one another with such love that you overlook offenses from one another. Love one another with such love that you can overlook offenses. Now, Peter was not the only one who saw the importance of having charity for one another in overlooking offenses. My favorite period in, in history, the, the time of the pilgrims, when the pilgrims traveled to America in 1620, they left behind half of their church. So half the church came to America, the other half, which had been in in um, the Netherlands, and they went back to England, stayed behind. I believe they ended up back in England. They stayed behind, and their pastor stayed behind in Europe. 
And so half the church comes to America without their pastor, and of course without half of their brethren. Now the name of their pastor was John Robinson. Now in a letter that John Robinson wrote, and I have copies, I want to give this to each of the families here. Um, read through it slowly. John Robinson has such wisdom, just saturated with the scripture. And I'm going to give you a copy. Read the whole thing when you have a chance, because it's definitely worth the read. It's only uh, one page front and back, but it's very, very powerful. But he wrote this letter to the pilgrims just before their departure to the New World. And he honed in on what Peter is getting at in our text, where Peter says, Above all, have fervent love one for another. You see, Pastor Robinson had to say goodbye to half of the church, half of his church. These were his people that he had shepherded for over a decade. They went through hardships together. They were harried out of England. King James, They were locked, some of them were locked up in a tower. They had to they try to escape. They were caught. They were separated from family. They went through so much together, and Pastor Robinson was there through it all, their travel to, to the Netherlands, coming back, trying to figure out where they were going to go. Are they going to go to America? Are they going to go to... I think they were looking to go to either Africa or America or South America and America. And so they, they, they went through so much together, so much together, and he had to say goodbye to them. And he knew that these saints would have to face incredible hardships in braving not only the Atlantic Ocean, but then settling on a completely foreign and very hostile at some times um, in that time land. I mean, the, the New World was, was completely foreign to them. Um, it's hard for us to imagine what it would have been like to come to the New World, to New England, in November, no less. Um, and so they were in need of much grace and counsel. The task before the pilgrims was daunting. Daunting. Think about it. Um, just, just over, you know, a hundred men and women. And these were not, um, you, you know, people who were trained to, to, to go to sea and to build a colony. These were just families. Um, and they were among the, the few that brought their women with them because they came to establish a community. They didn't come to, to plunder and conquer. They came to, to build a community. In fact, that's one of the reasons they were successful, because the women were there. Um, without the women, um, families will fall apart. So they had an incredible task before them. But Robinson, in his letter, he chose four simple things to leave them with. The first was the need for regular repentance. And the final two were their need to work together for the common good and the need for godly civil rulers. But his second point and his most important one, the one that he spends the most time on, is the subject of taking offense. Now, why would he write that in his letter to the pilgrims, his farewell letter? They're going to, to establish a, a community and in one sense, almost a nation, leaving everything they know. And the thing he focuses in on is taking offense at one another. Robinson knew, like the Apostle Peter, that above all other things, the success of the pilgrims depended on them not taking offense at one another. Robinson said this, Next, after this heavenly peace with God in our consciences, so he talked about the need for our repentance with God, he says, We are carefully to provide for peace with all men. What in us lieth, what we can do, especially with our associates, and for that watchfulness must be had, that we neither at all in ourselves do give, no, nor easily take offense, being given by others. Now we must certainly seek not to not give offense, but Robinson was wiser than to simply leave it at that. He knew that those who give offense are the ones that easily take it as well. If we fail to overlook the offenses and frailties of others, we are lacking in one of the most important aspects of our Christian duty. 
Robinson says this, for how imperfect and lame, how imperfect and lame is the work of grace in that person who lacks charity to cover a multitude of offenses as the scriptures speak. If we are unwilling to overlook the offenses of our brothers and sisters, the work of grace is lame in our hearts, Pastor Robinson says. His point was clear. We need to be very, very slow to take offense. If someone does something we don't like, if the infirmities of one another, as he writes, cause us to squirm, we need to be vigilant to guard our hearts against murmuring or taking offense at that. He explains that we need to be careful lest when unsuspected qualities appear in men and women, you be inordinately affected by them. Right? You allow those things to boil up within you and bother you. That's what he means by inordinately affected. Yes, there's one sense that we will be disappointed or in some cases we just completely we're just over exaggerating and we're making assumptions other times we're wronged and we're going to be hurt but if we're inordinately affected by that it's consuming us it's controlling us we're hanging on to those offenses and we are taking offense and it's going to destroy that relationship the focus here is that no matter what the other person does i ought to be working hard at not taking offense this doesn't mean that we can't approach a brother and share a concern but it does mean that his actions should not cause me to change the way that I am acting. That his actions should not inordinately affect me. I think it was Booker T. Washington who, when he was asked why he would tip his cap to um, people that were treating him with disrespect and, and degradation, he, he said, why, why, would I, why would I cease to act like a gentleman simply because these people are? He wasn't going to take offense at what they were doing and allow that to inordinately affect him and change the way that he was going to behave towards them. I should not think to myself, if he does this, if she does this one more time or 100 more times, I don't know if I'll be able to put up with it anymore. That's being inordinately affected. And of course, we need the Spirit of God to work in our hearts that we would be able to overcome what is in human nature a very common occurrence to be easily offended i know i've i know i've been easily offended before and i've interacted with many people who have been easily offended and it um it is very destructive now robinson's insight on this topic is is very powerful he writes in my own experience i have found few who are quicker to give offense than those who easily take it they who have nourished this touchy humor have never proved sound and profitable members in society. So he's saying those people that are quick to give offense are the ones that easily that are quick to be offended too. Right? They're very quick to be offended. They take everything personal. They're very prideful. And he calls it a touchy humor. Right? It's, and it, it does not create uh, sound and profitable members in societies. Because the, the wisdom from God's word is it applies to us expands out to every area and when we follow god's word it's going to we're going to be blessed in every area of life and in the workplace those people that are easily offended that their pride is hurt every time something doesn't go their way they can destroy the workplace and when when we have christians who are walking according to god's word they bring great blessing to every area they go to 
because they're they're stable, they're sound, they're not inordinately affected. They're not, they all this touchy humor where where they're being offended by what other people do because they're they're confident in the salvation they have from God. They realize that they they have wronged God more than anyone could wrong us or offend us, and they're able to overlook the offenses of others. It's this touchy humor that Robinson says that can so easily create unnecessary division. To put it in the modern vernacular, we need to stop being so sensitive. Now, it doesn't mean we go the other way around and say, well, since you all need to stop being so sensitive, I'm just going to say whatever I want. Because we also have to be careful not to give offense, right? And that's the the line we walk as Christians. We are to be extremely stringent and strict with ourselves, but to have grace to others. Not that we don't call out sin, but we are to have grace with others and be very strict with ourselves. Now, Robinson understanding the nature of the quest. Okay, so why was this what he focused on? He wrote to the pilgrims that the plans for your intended civil community will furnish continual occasion of offense. He knew you guys are going to the new world. You're going to be on a ship for weeks, close quarters, and then you're going to be all alone in a new world. You're going to have plenty of opportunity to offend one another. And it's almost like a family. We have, we have plenty of opportunities to offend one another, especially in the home. And then as we reach out to our, to our church family and expands out, we have so many opportunities to offend one another. So you have this opportunity to, to give continual offense, and he says, and it will be as fuel to the fire unless you diligently quench it with brotherly forbearance. Unless you're able, as Peter says, to above all things have fervent love for one another, to cover the multitude of offenses, to cover the multitude of slights, perceived slights, real slights, um, sins that are committed against us. If we cannot quench those with brotherly forbearance, they will grow to a fire that consumes and destroys our relationships, and they would have destroyed the pilgrims. In fact, half of them died, and there was only a handful of them that were healthy enough to care for the other half that were sick. And if they were not able to overlook the offenses and, and the perceived wrongs that were done and how some people were carrying more weight than others, their community would have been destroyed before it even began. And so Pastor Robinson is very wise, of course he got his wisdom from God's word, to know if I could give them the most important piece of advice, it is to above all things have fervent love for one another, for this will cover a multitude of sins, right? It's, it's the 80-20 you know, principle, you know, 20% of our, of our work leads to 80% of the results, and, and Peter's saying, look, this is so important, it's going to cover a multitude of sins, so you need to focus on this. You know, you need to focus on everything, but focus on this because this is going to cover so many sins. This is going to cover a multitude of offenses and wrongs that if you don't have this, they're going to destroy you. The solution is not to try really hard to never disagree again. This is where we make a mistake when we say, okay, we need to have love and unity and and agree about everything. Because that's not the solution. The solution is that we forbear with one another in the midst of our differences, in the midst of the wrongs or or perceived wrongs, or, or perceived you know, misapplication of something. We are to forbear with one another. And of course, God, God's word affirms the validity of Robinson's concerns. We're told to bear with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive each other in Colossians 3. We are to bear with one another in love, so that we will maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace in Ephesians 4. So this, the battle against sin... As I've said before, as we know, begins in the heart and mind. And the battle against sin requires us to be aware of it, to be aware of our enemy. If we are to be sober-minded, as Peter instructs, then we must not overlook the importance of overlooking 
offenses. We must not overlook the importance of overlooking offenses. We must not excuse ourselves from this essential component of our Christian duty because we've been really, really wrong. We are never to be excuse ourselves from this duty um, because we think that, well, in my case, it doesn't apply. We must take heed to ourselves and develop a personal habit of overlooking offenses in our heart. We must allow love, fervent love, to color our relationships. Now, there's so many examples of this. I'm not going to be able to get into them. Think about this. I mean, husbands and wives, I mean, taking offense um, can destroy a marriage. I mean, I think if you listen to people who their marriages are, are, are falling apart or have fallen apart, you'll realize that so much of that goes back to the fact that they were not able to overlook certain things in their relationship because their pride and their ego got in the way and they they didn't have the 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 understanding or they they suppressed this understanding that maybe they had that this is the one of the most important things in our lives to be able to overlook offenses we are sinners and we're interacting with sinners and if we cannot overlook sin we're going to have a lot of problems because there's a lot of sin that goes on even among christians Certainly less, but there's still sin that occurs among Christians. And, and in a marriage, if we take offense at things, it's going to kill our marriage. And children, listen to me, children. Do not start this habit early in your life of being easily offended when your sibling takes your toy, when you don't get what you want, when you think that your parents should have allowed you to do something and you didn't get to do it. Do not start this habit early because it will destroy you in your life. You'll become like those people who get so easily offended at everything, who thinks that they're owed everything, and that when everything doesn't go the way they want, they just store it up inside and become bitter and angry. Do not let that be you. Do not start this habit early. And there's so much more we could draw from this. I want to give you. I'm going to leave you all with this letter. Read through it. Maybe spend some time um, in family worship throughout the week. I'm drawing some application from John Robinson's letter and how it might apply to our lives. Of course, the Bible says that good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. And that was from Proverbs 19.11. And of course, Peter, knowing that scripture, no doubt, drew on that. In fact, even from his personal life, where he offended his Lord more than anybody could offend us. And we've done the same if we look at our heart. But Peter offended his Lord, denied him three times, and yet Jesus overlooked that offense and forgave Peter. And so, again, that's why I love Peter. I mean, he's writing, so much of what he writes comes from his own experience and from his own heart and from what he experienced as, experienced, um, as a sinner saved by grace. So may we learn from him and even learn from Pastor Robinson and the, and the pilgrims of the importance of overlooking offenses. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your the wisdom of your word. We thank you for this verse in 1 Peter 4 where Peter says above all things above all things have fervent love one for another for it will cover a multitude of sins thank you for giving us this infinite wisdom that is found in your word help us to apply it to our lives and to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ it's in his name I pray amen